What is up, party people? It is so good to be talking to you. Welcome to The Highway with Kyle Shutt. I am your humble host. Back from tour. We did it. We did the whole Primus tour. It was insane. And to celebrate, I decided to turn the tables a little bit and to uh, let y'all ask me questions for a change. That's right. It's just a, it's an AMA with me this week. So uh, we got a long list of questions that we're going to work through. But uh, first thing, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks to everybody that came out to the shows. I am full of life again. Before we get to all that, though, we gotta say, if you like what you've been hearing on the program, go ahead and smash that subscribe button, hit that little follow tab, whatever you gotta do to make sure you don't miss a single episode. And if you want to go one step further and help keep these lights on, you can find us at patreon.com slash the highway. For a couple of bucks a month, you can help me keep this program running and even get yourself a shout out like Matt Heert, Julian Angan, and even Jesse Parks, who signed up for the guitar lesson tier, where you can uh, get a hour-long guitar lesson from me once a month. You get a free podcast and learn how to shred like the gods. We also got to give some love to our sponsors, Heil Sound. Because if you like the way I sound, it's because there's a Heil in front of me, baby. Now, I know I do things my way every week, but uh, this really is going to be my way this time. I've got all your burning questions lined up, and I've got the answers to go with them. Let's do things my way. The Highway. Here we go. I have absolutely no idea what I'm getting myself into here. I just uh, (laughs) compiled all the questions, uh, didn't read a single one, and I'm going in blind, which is how I operate best. So, uh, yeah, let's get after it here. Uh, Boss Pog wants to know, would you collab with the Twitter homies? Well, um, I have before. Uh, somebody just randomly asked me, hey, will you play a guitar solo on this song? Um, I, I don't always do it. My rule is that uh, if if you ask me at the right time and I've had just enough beer and uh, it's it's within my means to uh, do something, I always say yes. Um, I think that's good career advice anyway. Just always say yes when you get an offer and just figure it out later. Um, I've had so many experiences that I would have never had if I wouldn't have just said yes from the get-go. So... That's that one, and um, he also wants to know, do you prefer joints or blunts? Now, that, that, that's a that's a fair question. Um, smoked a lot of joints in my day, smoked a lot of blunts. Um, I do enjoy smoking blunts, but uh, in these uh, these post-COVID days, uh, a lot of the puff-puff-pass culture has, has passed, unfortunately. But um, I ain't afraid I'm vaxxed up, uh, and you can hit a blunt through a mask, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to try. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they also want to know, uh, what song have y'all never played live that you want to? Um, we actually performed pretty much every song that we ever wrote live, uh, m- maybe with the exception of some of the used future tracks. Um, most of the records that we made um, w- were made with the intention of being able to play those songs live. We would always book um, little mini tours on the way to the studio um, just to... to work out the last minute kinks in the songs, uh, see what works, what doesn't, um, things like that. And also, um, so we would hit the studio super road tight, you know, that's, it's a great way to make a record. So, um, the, the only record that we didn't do that with was used future where we went in kind of half baked and just sort of created a lot of stuff on the spot. So I'm not sure that we ever played Brown mountain live, but, um, I'm not sure that we need to, you know, uh, things like that. Um, I always like playing the, the, 
the more rehearsed uh, songs live and just uh, watching the crowd go nuts. That's where I have the best time. All right, what do we got next here? Mr. Cole Trickle on Twitter uh, says, uh, my only question is who farted? And uh, it it was probably me. Actually, that's not true. It probably wasn't me. You know why? Because I broke up with pizza on this tour. Um, I know, which is like sacrilege, but uh, pizza, you know, it's it's like uh, it's like your ex where you have the best sex ever, you know, and you just keep going back even even though you know it's a terrible idea and you're going to feel like shit in the morning and um, you, you just it's going to ruin your life all over again. You just keep going back. I, I had to break it off. Sorry, pizza. Um, it's... <laughs> I'm going to make some enemies here. Pizza isn't real food anyway. It's just bread and cheese. And uh, you mix that with the amount of beer that I drink. And uh, yeah, it's the, the, the next morning in the van isn't always the most fun for everyone. But uh, it's way, way too much information there. Why did I read this question? <laughs> Let's see uh, who's next. Uh, Dan Renzetti uh, wants to know, how annoying is it when dudes tell you to play the older stuff and then also get mad when you don't play some new stuff too? That is a very good question, and uh, that definitely came up on this tour. Um, it's it's no surprise that a lot of people were uh, taken aback by our change in direction uh, with high country, low country, and used future. Um, at you know after being in the band for I guess it was like fifteen, sixteen years at that time. You know, we went on a journey together. We walked on the moon together. You know, we we did everything we could musically, and we wanted to push the boundaries of what that meant. And um, at the time, it didn't really seem that crazy. But um, once the pandemic kind of set in last year and uh, we were forced to sit there and reflect um, everything, especially, you know, as we were already on hiatus, um, I went back and listened to all the Sword albums uh, front to back in chronological order. And, yeah, I, I was like, I get it. I now see, you know, what other people saw, people that just casually dipped in and out every two years to just see what we were up to. I I definitely see that there was a perceptible uh, change in sound, but we did it with, you know, um, intention and uh, just we meant it from our hearts, you know, and and so when some people didn't like that, well, we kind of took it personally. I did at least. Um, it, it should also be said that anytime I talk about the sword, it is uh, just very much my point of view. I'm I'm only twenty five percent of that uh, machine, so. Any of my opinions about it are uh, mine and mine alone. But um, yeah, there. Whenever we got back together to do this tour, we decided to set the Wayback Machine for 2012, and we were only going to play the first four albums, all in the original tunings and everything. And it was so funny that we're finally ripping through Fire Lances of the Hi- Ancient Hypersopharians, and then people are just saying like, "How come you're not playing Dream Thieves?" I'm just like, "Fuck you! <laughs> Where were you five years ago?" I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. All right, who do we got up next? We got uh, Paul Price wants to know, says, I'm dying to know if there's been any thoughts or conversations about our new album, either Solo or The Sword. If not, any more Doomside. Um, yeah, I am definitely uh, in the process of writing a, a second solo album right now. It's going to be way more um, balls to the wall, if you will. Uh, nothing but bangers. Uh, I've, I've had enough uh, dynamics in my life lately. I'd, I'd like to just turn it up to 11 and let it rip. Um, and uh, as far as Doomside goes... Hell, why not? I might just drop it on this episode. If, uh, stick around to the end of the episode, and uh, let's make this the world premiere of the Doom Side of the Moon version of Welcome to the Machine. Uh, we recorded it uh, as the intro music for uh, our, our tour that we did, and uh, I had been meaning to um, to finish out the rest of the Wish You Were Here album 
uh, with uh, Shine On You Crazy Diamond 1 through 9, going to do the whole thing. And then, uh, but we we also did record Welcome to the Machine. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. And nobody's ever heard it yet unless you came to see us on that tour. Um, as far as the new Sword album goes, well, wouldn't we all like to know that? I ain't saying shy. I ain't spilling no beans there. I said, ask me anything. That, that doesn't mean I have to answer everything. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, oh, my good friend uh, runs a label called Lint Music. Uh, out of Australia, he released the the Kyle Shutt, uh solo covers album on cassette that you can get, and uh, maybe maybe I'll I'll drop a few of those on my Bandcamp page. I have a couple of them that I've been giving out to friends and uh, close acquaintances, but uh, yeah, maybe maybe we'll put some out there. Let's see here. Uh, they want to know uh, any interviewee you were particularly nervous speaking to um, on this podcast. Absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, come on, like talking to Buzz Osborne. I had never met him before, so and and Melvin's was one of my favorite bands. Of all time, so I was definitely nervous about that one. Um, uh, I was also pretty nervous to speak to Mick Harris, who's the original drummer uh, for Napalm Death. He's basically invented grindcore, and um, Deb's, I mean, just you know, um, uh, the man made history. And uh, yeah, I was definitely a little bit nervous talking to him about that. But um, most of the people that I talked to on the program so far, at least, uh, are people that I've met before or have uh, a good rapport with. And uh, it's a lot of fun making this podcast for you all uh, to listen to and just uh, hear me. Uh, dork out uh, with my friends and and my heroes. Um, one that I that some people might think I was nervous about, but I was not, was uh, Dave Windorf, who uh, from Monster Magnet, um, who's uh, I've met before a few times. And is a very very nice man, and he's also a very big Sword fan. So that was um, that was a real treat to get to learn that uh, when I met him. I guess that would have been maybe like ten years ago. Um, just a sweet guy, real sweet guy. But um, yeah, very nervous talking to Buzz, uh, but he ended up being just. Uh, just just fine just peachy keen great conversation um and uh let's see he also wants to know uh similarly any gig you've done where you knew someone was watching you and you felt pressure playing in front of uh that's really funny uh because i've we just got off the primus tour and um one of the 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 last sword show in texas before we took the hiatus uh was in san antonio and uh check out this fucking lineup it was the sword living color clutch Joan Jett and the Black Hearts, Primus, Nine Inch Nails. Just a crazy, crazy lineup. And um, <laughs> it was basically all my childhood heroes right there I'm, that I'm sharing the stage with. But uh, I look over at one point, and Les Claypool is just, you know, front and center, just checking our, our show out. And uh, I got to admit, it made me a little nervous. I definitely had to just put a blind spot up there and just pretend like, it, <laughs> like he wasn't standing there. And uh, this was years before we even hit the road with Primus. And uh, we eventually got to know him and... Um, he, he turned out to be just a real sweetheart and uh, all the all the primus camp is and uh maybe one of those guys is going to be on the podcast pretty soon huh huh we're gonna have to keep an eye out all right let's see who we got up next we got skibo skibo wants to know do you use the one knob amp when recording and do you record using a cab or a di from the head um i always record using the cab and i did use the one knob i, I used that on high country as well as the uh, the Doom Side of the Moon record and um, and my solo album as well, so yes, I did. And I also have a six knob version of that amp. That's basically the same thing, just a little bit more diverse. Um, it's it's basically a two channel three knob version of it that has volume, gain, and tone split up into two channels. So it's a little more dynamic than than the other amp. But um, yeah, 
And they also want to know, were any tracks, uh, including the vocals, used in both high and low country? And was recording those albums a bigger challenge than originally thought? Um, High country, no. High country was just a lot of fun. We were in a big studio that was five minutes from my house at the time. And uh, I I could just roll out of bed and literally five minutes later be in the studio uh, making coffee, just rocking out all day long, having fun. Um, Low country was... Uh, low pressure. We we did the whole thing in Jimmy, our drummer's house, um, just doing bong hits and creating uh, acoustic versions of these songs on the spot. At first, we were only going to do um, two th- two songs. I think we were going to do Empty Temples and Seriously Mysterious. And then after we did those two, it didn't take that long. So we just thought, hey, let's just keep going. And we did use the original vocal tracks from High Country on the Low Country sessions. We just built the music around that. And... Um, it was a lot of fun. We actually were going to do an, an entirely different version of High Country as Low Country where every single song was different. We were going to do um, all the heavy songs as acoustic tracks and all the mellow songs like heavy. And it didn't really work out. So we, we eventually kind of bailed on that plan and just went with the acoustic versions. Um, uh, the one thing that did survive was um, a version of Turn to Dust that we did as a super fast punk song that ended up on a split seven inch with the Black Angels that was paired with uh, a photography book uh, by Sandy Carson. So that's one of the more rare sword records that if you can find the uh, the split that we did with Black Angels on a blue flexi disc that came in a photography book. Uh, that <laughs> that one's kind of hard to find. But um, yeah, long answer to a short question. But uh, let's see, what else do we have here? Uh, Mark Irwin, what's up Mark? He wants to know, you got to hold uh, Lur's guitar that he got from Alex Lifeson. Are your <laughs> are new textures and tones coursing through your body? Yes, they are. Uh, when you get to to hold the guitar of a legend uh, that's owned by another legend, yes, uh, you actually do absorb some of that power, and I can feel it coursing through my body right now. Great question. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Moving on down the line here, uh, Desmond wants to know. Favorite Sabbath riff? Um, this is an easy answer. Um, Into the Void. The the very the, the final riff that's played uh, on the final song of Master of Reality. Um, the, I just sing it for you right now. It it really doesn't get better than that, um, if you ask me. If, if you're talking bang for your buck uh, in a Sabbath song. That whole album is just crazy. Uh, probably my favorite one. Uh, the Sword actually covered... Master of Reality, the whole album for Halloween one year. I think it was 2005, maybe. Uh, those were the good old days, uh, playing at the Whiskey Bar. Downtown Austin. Man, a lot has happened since then. A lot has changed. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's keep on moving down the line here. Oh, my friend Tim wants to know, uh, the best part of being back out on the road uh, post-COVID and hiatus. Uh, the best part is just playing shows again. Uh, I've said this before, but I will never take a show for granted ever again not that i did all that often but you know when you do something for a living you know sometimes you uh you know have some pretty strong opinions about <laughs> how things go down but after the uh, the hiatus and after the pandemic and everything uh i i don't care what i have to do if i have to wrap my whole head uh, in cloth uh you know 23 hours a day except for the time that i have to be on stage i don't whatever i have to do to play guitar and to um you know, just spread the the happiness to to all the fans that want to come out and uh, brave all the conditions to get out there and rock with us. Uh, that's really all I care about right now. I just I just want to play shows. I love it. Um, 
what's the worst part about being out on the road post COVID? The worst part is that, uh, it's, it's very inconvenient to travel across the States. Now, a lot of, um, you know, restaurants, dining rooms are closed. We're pretty much forced to eat on the road, you know what I mean? Out in uh, public and stuff like that. So you just, there's no consistency, uh, between the States. There's no, uh, really uh, protocol that you can count on. Um, so thank God for the Primus catering every day. If it wasn't for catering, <laughs> At the Primus shows, we might not have eaten. Um, so that was that was the worst part. It was just the uh, the, the inconvenience. And uh, and when can we inspect another tour? He wants to know. Um, soon. Uh, we're we're not going anywhere. We're uh, happy to be back from this one, but maybe we're gonna let the winter uh, play out. However, it happens, and then uh, hit the road in the spring. Um, no concrete plans yet, but you can definitely expect to see us out pretty soon. All right, moving down the line here. Uh, Dread Media wants to know, what's your favorite weird tuning? Uh, I really don't mess with weird tunings. Uh, but I will say that my, my favorite weird tuning to record with, it, it's called the Nashville tuning. Um, it's, I don't it's hard to explain. It's just basically a, a, f- a funky tuning with a guitar, mostly strung with like high E and G strings, tuned in such a way that if you play over a track, like an acoustic track or something, it just kind of adds this little shimmer to it. You, you use the same chord uh, shapes and everything like that. It's just a, a different open kind of tuning that just adds adds a little chorusy kind of shine to uh, to whatever you're trying to overdub. And that, that that's a lot of fun. The Nashville tuning. Um, they also want to know what's your favorite horror movie. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a huge horror fan. I th- I would say probably probably my favorite one is uh, In the Mouth of Madness. Uh, starring Sam Neill, a John Carpenter movie from the '90s that um, I feel is a little underrated. But um, but I don't know. How do you feel? Do you read Sutter Kane? <laughs> um, let's see. We got someone else. Let's see. They want to know. I seen y'all with Croy and the boys as a direct support act. Um, I had the time of my life, but did y'all encounter any awkward crowds on that tour? Uh, Croy and the boys are a great country band from here in Austin, Texas, and um, the sword has always felt really strongly about. Number one, bringing out great bands, no matter what the genre is, but uh, also creating diverse bills to where, you know, it's not just you know, four stoner bands on tour, um, you know, that you have to sit through uh, to get to the headliner. And um, we love country music. We're, we, we're, we've always been country. We're, we're country boys. But bringing Croy and the Boys out was a lot of fun. And uh, we did it all throughout the South. Um, there were no awkward crowds on that tour. Everybody loved that band that would open for us everybody go check them out croy and the boys um if you know if we would have taken that tour to boston or minneapolis you know maybe that would have been a bit of a different story but i don't think so i mean anybody that likes good music is gonna like you know the, the, a good band no matter if it's country or hip-hop or or anything and uh so that i i would take them out again in a heartbeat they were great and uh, they also want to know, have you ever been surprised to find out that someone was a fan of the sword? Maybe a celebrity or a huge band other than Metallica. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of, uh, this is a little hearsay, but I'm going to put it out there. Um, uh, a, a reliable source uh, told me that uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, his son uh, plays music and is a big sword fan and apparently uh, bought a bunch of sword shirts. <laughs> <laughs> for his dad and uh apparently he uh, Robert Downey Jr can be seen uh wearing sword shirts around so um and and uh, apparently likes our music uh I I don't know if that's true or not but hey um put some feelers out there Robert if you're listening uh call me up I'll send you some records 
Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Chris uh, Scalzio. Chris Scalzio wants to know, uh, is the sword staying off hiatus? And what is your favorite song to play live? Uh, yeah, we're we're back. Uh, unless anything crazy happens or unless uh, one of us actually goes insane and needs some more time off, uh, we are off hiatus. Well, we're, we're making plans. I'm not going to tell you what those plans are and or, or give you a timeline, but you can expect to see more of us. And uh, the favorite song to play live, um, that's a great question. Uh, they're all a lot of fun. I, lately, I've been having a lot of fun playing Chronomancer 2. Uh, again, we hadn't played that in so long, and that one uh, has just really been going off. But, uh, yeah, yeah that, one's, that one's fun. Uh, let's see, moving on down. We got Rob here, the Herald of Galactus. <laughs> he says, Why have I been to five-plus sword shows and never seen or heard Lords live? Uh, because you weren't at the ones that we played it at. Uh, that's why. Uh, next. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we, uh, we played Lords a lot back in the day. Uh, I, I was one of the ones that I kind of pinned the music for. Um, I, I think the last time we played it would have been in El Paso. It was the last day of the Apocryphon tour. Uh, on the Apocryphon tour, we brought back pretty much every single song that we had ever played, uh, except for Under the Bows for whatever reason. That one's kind of a drag. I wrote that one so I can kind of say that. Um, but, uh, it, uh, back in those days, you know, I was, I was 19, 20, whatever, 21, whenever we were writing a lot of that stuff. Um, and I had, I've gotten a lot better at writing songs. And so a lot of those earlier ones that I had kind of helped write were like the, the, the chorus would be in a different key than the verse. And, you know, just cause I thought I was being clever, but in hindsight, it's not as effective as I would hope it did. I got better at it. Like a song like tears of fire that I uh, wrote a, a healthy chunk of the music for kind of does that same thing. And it, it works a lot better uh, than some of my earlier attempts. But um, ever since then I've been more uh, attentive to what keys the songs are in that I've, that I'm writing and, uh, and stuff like that. So long answer to a short question, but yeah, let's uh, let's see here. Ace McNasty. I like that name wants to know, what was the thought process behind the sword moving from a more metal sound to a more classic rock sound on later albums? And were you happy with that change? I kind of talked about that earlier. Um, but yeah, it was just, it, it was a very natural progression. We wanted to, whenever we first came out, we were uh, sort of anomalous as far as uh, popular heavy music was concerned. And anywhere that we went, you know, there was always like a local death metal band that got added to the bill or something. But over the years, you know, after like more than a decade of doing that, we started to notice that there was just a million sword soundalikes, you know, just like there was like, you know, five stoner bands in every town now. And um, they were all kind of falling into the same little tropes and, and things like that. And we, we sort of wanted to show them that you don't have to be just you don't have to sound this one particular way you can make a dance pop song if you want to you can make an acoustic song you can just we really wanted to push the boundaries of what stoner rock or stoner metal meant and so you could say it was a conscious effort to do that whether or not it was successful is, is kind of up for debate but uh yes i am happy with that change so that was uh that's that's the answer to that question let's see <laughs> Uh, Delco Detention wants to know, do you get free weed when on tour? And if so, can we open up for you guys? <laughs> Hell yeah, we get free weed on tour. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, if you just, you know, keep submitting for the tours and, and, and it works out, you can open for us one day. No promises. Uh, hell yeah, we get free weed on tour. Um, we, we pay for it too, but 
we we thank every single person that that you know throws a nug in the tip jar or uh you know throws a couple of uh blunts in my hand after the show whoever that guy was that gave me those blunts in oklahoma city if you're listening thank you so much uh yes love getting free weed um the c uh, c wave wants to know Y'all play D&D with Clutch. I bet Mr. Fallon would be an ace DM. Uh, you're right about that. I, I I would listen to him DM a campaign any day. But we never played D&D with Clutch. Uh, smoked a lot of weed with those guys. We played a lot of shows. Drank a lot of beers. Talked about cars a lot and, and things like that. But no, we never uh, never played D&D with them. That would be fun, though. Let's see. Uh, Christopher Vretos wants to know, what's your favorite sword album and why? And same question for individual songs. Um, I don't know. My, my answer before the hiatus was always, you know, the last album we made was always my favorite one because we always put our heart and soul into everything that we did. And it was always my favorite, but, um, uh, upon revisiting everything, uh, over the, the, you know, pandemic and stuff, um, it was funny to me how every single one of our albums sounds different. We don't really, uh, some people think that we have this classic era, but even between, Age of Winners, Gods of the Earth, Warp Riders, Apocryphon. This is four very different sounds going on with each of those albums. Um, I, I like elements of some. There's others that I... It's not that I dislike them, but it's just there's some that I gravitate to more than others. I love Warp Riders just because I like Matt Bayless's production, but uh, I also love Apocryphon because Jay Robbins um, really really captured what we sound like as a live band. And uh, there's there's a lot to be said Um for any sort of album, but, um, it's not like, not to say that I have a, a least favorite one at all, but you know, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. John Rambo wants to know, will the sword ever cover Warren G regulate or Adele? Um, no, uh, <laughs> we never will. Um, I did, uh, this will probably never happen. So I'm going to go ahead and say it, but I did think it would be fun to cover, uh, fight for your right to party beastie boys and if like if if we could do it to where each of the the three of us up front could actually do the whole vocal cadence and everything i think it would be a really fun song to try to pull off uh at a festival or something not like you know record it or anything but just like it would have to be a perfect time and place but uh, i always thought that would be a really fun uh just the thing to do I, I saw cancer bats cover uh sabotage one time it was probably the most badass cover song i've ever seen anybody attempt uh but yeah we'll see We'll see. I don't, I don't know what we're going to cover next. We always like to cover fun stuff. So uh, there's there's always going to be something out there. And up next, we got Rambone Dice Clay. He wants to know, how <laughs> uh, was playing in front of like 12 people in Michigan? <laughs> Will you be coming back to Michigan soon? Uh, this is, uh, I'm assuming, in reference to the Sterling Heights uh, show that we just played with Primus. Uh, it was pissing rain all day, freezing out there. And um, the river behind the place... Um, apparently was uh, going to flood. It was like a, a flood watch was going on. And so um, our set times got bumped up uh, by about half an hour. And then they cut us by about 15 minutes. Like, like he was saying, there was only 12 people there anyway. <laughs> but we all had a great time. You can't act like a like an asshole um, just because, uh, you know, the weather gets a little bad and your set gets cut short just so that everybody can get out of there you know, uh, safely, you know, before midnight, before the roads closed and before the rivers flood, there was one asshole that left like the most ignorant comment that I've ever read ever. I normally don't dig into people that make stupid comments, but this guy was just like, how dare the sword, you know, uh, chicken out and, and only play 30 minutes and go on early. Like, like it's our choice. God, get over yourselves. Anyway, 
Uh, going down the line, uh, my boy Jody, Jody Giordano, what's up, bud? Uh, he wants to know, uh, how would you describe the moment when you stepped on stage for the first time in three years? Um, and for those of you that don't know, uh, the Swords appearance at uh, the Psycho Vegas uh, festival that we just did, that was the first time, yeah, that we had uh, all joined together and had a rehearsal in three years, uh, which is kind of mind-blowing to think about at the time. It's been a really rough three years, uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's had its ups and downs and downs and downs. But um, when we got back together, um, the show itself wasn't the best one in the world. Um, I've always said that the best way to get ready to play a show is just to play a show. You can practice a hundred times and that first show back is going to be nothing like any of those rehearsals were. So, um, you know, sometimes you just got to knock the dust off in front of 3000 people, uh, in a swimming pool. And, um, that was the best feeling. It wasn't our best performance by any means, but, um, it, it, it had to be done. And, uh, we definitely knocked the dust off and, um, the rest of that tour was absolutely phenomenal. So if anybody, out there listening was at our Psycho Vegas set. Thanks for for sticking with us and hanging in there with uh, the the little twenty minute throw and go with a terrible sound that we had. It was still a really good time, and I have no regrets. But uh, let's see who who else is up here. Uh, Merglaski twelve wants to know: Is your solo on Hawks and Serpents split into two sections? The first to signify the hawk, and the second to signify the serpent. Each part of the solo has its own vibe. And if so, I very much dig it. Um, I, it's funny that you point that out. I never really made that connection when I was writing <clears throat> uh, that song. The, the, the title, Hawks and Serpents, didn't even come until after the music was totally finished. Um, the working title of that song was actually Hit the Streets. Uh, we like to come up with silly little working titles while we're making an album. But um, that guitar solo is one of my favorites. And um, I recorded it in, uh, in three different sections. One section that was um, a double-tracked, uh, finger tap kind of solo and then one that was um, a double tracked a neck pickup um, kind of just more creamy uh, kind of different kind of shred and um, I, I did that because uh, I'm a huge you know obviously we're all ZZ, ZZ Top fans and um, that was Billy especially around the DeGueo era uh, was notorious for it. all of his solos having you know, four different sections and four different tones and amps and stuff like that. And that was sort of me wanting to experiment with that a little bit. So hope that answered your question. Uh, it was, it was yes and no is, is the answer, but, uh, uh, everybody wants to know when the new sword album's coming out. Uh, and, uh, you know what? I, I already, I already told you, I don't know. Uh, is it even happening? I don't know. <laughs> uh, let's see. Baron von Goulash wants to know, did you go fishing with less? Uh, no, no, we didn't, but, um, we smoked a lot of weed and had a really good time, uh, just bullshitting backstage. And, um, there, w there was, uh, one particular show that we played in Cleveland where, uh, the river ran right behind the little pavilion amphitheater where we played and a bunch of people came up on their kayaks, uh, and just hung out behind the stage and checked out the show for free. And, uh, afterwards, uh, one of the, uh, promoter reps, this is so weird. Uh, had a, a full on enormous telescope that he brought out and just started zooming in on planets. And uh, so it was the sword and primus hanging out backstage, shooting the shit with people uh, off the pier in the water on kayaks and um, smoking weed and staring at Saturn and Jupiter and the moon. It was one of the more memorable nights uh, that I've had on tour in a long, long time. That was so much fun. Let's see here. Uh, Al Bundy. <laughs> I bet that's not your real name, but hey, uh, <laughs> it's the internet. Um, it says, uh, wants to know, I've always been curious about the earliest sword jams. Where did you guys practice? What was the process like writing those first songs? Uh, 
um, and how much weed was smoked. Let me tell you, we smoked all the weed. I'm, I'm surprised that uh, there's any weed left after those early days. Um, we practiced actually uh, in, in the same facility that we've been in for a very, very long time. I used to joke that um, if you walk inside of our old practice space, that uh, it's not HD uh, in there. It's everything's all the sepia tone and fuzzy <laughs> and uh, low def uh, for sure. But um, the process writing the first songs, every, it's no secret that JD uh, wrote almost all of uh, Age of Winters uh, in, in the few years before the sword even formed. And uh, so we sort of hit the ground running in that regard. But it wasn't too long before we all started collaborating and writing songs together like Sea of Spears, Made Mother and Crone, uh, things like that. I, I I could go on and on, but um, let's see here. All right, moving on down the line here. Uh, Harmony Corruption wants to know. Uh, caught you in indie this go around, and then noticed you're still rocking the Reverend. Do you have other favorites other than your model? Uh, what other guitars have you found love for? Are there any that you just can't let go of uh, from your past? That's an, uh, that's a great question. Um, I actually look at guitars like a tool. It's it, it's the tool that I use to to do what I need to do which is rock your face off. And um, so I actually don't have, <clears throat> excuse me, have much personal attachment to guitars. I usually use them until I've gotten everything that I needed out of them. And then I move on um, to the next thing and the next sound. The reason I love my signature model is just because I was able to design it from the ground up with Joe Naylor and Ken Haas uh, with Reverend Guitars. And it's, it's a very, very versatile guitar. It's a tool that I can do everything that I need to with, um, considering the fact that the sword had very many different sounds and styles over the years. I can really kind of do whatever I want with that guitar. But Reverend does make um, other really sick guitars. Um, the dirt bike, the Reeves Gabrels model, the blue one with the little uh, tremolo bar is well, one of my favorites. That thing is just awesome. Uh, he also uh, uses a Space Hawk, which is a great guitar. Um, and... I, I loved the Volcano, the Vs, uh, before they got slapped with a cease and desist, um, unlawfully, I might add, uh, from Gibson. So, um, yeah, because uh, Gibson sued or threatened to sue Reverend, I decided to sell all my Les Pauls, and so I don't play Gibson anymore. So I um, hope that answers your question there. Let's see. Uh, Dusting Rune wants to know, what song were you most hyped to play live? <clears throat> uh, of all the older material that we brought back on this tour, uh, I was really, really stoked to play Fire Lances of the Ancient uh, <clears throat> Fire Lances of the Ancient Hypersafarians. It's a, uh, a tongue twister there, but um, that one's just—it's—it's it's thrashy, it's poppy, it fucking rocks. It's got a really fun solo in it, and uh, it just fucking slaps everyone in the face whenever you play it live. I absolutely love that song. All right, uh, we got my boy Brett Solferino. What's up, Brett? Uh, he wants to know: Would you rather go canoeing with someone pitching a pyramid scheme? Or go hiking with a flat earther. Um, well, considering the fact that I am a flat earther uh, and am currently uh, getting my pyramid scheme pitch ready to go, I feel very unqualified to answer this question. I'm kidding. Jokes. Jokes. Uh, let's see. Sammy Psychedelinot. That's a mouthful. Well, wants to know, what was the decision-making process for the set lists? Um we just wanted to be as brutal as possible. We had kind of spent years shying away from much of our heavier material. And it was a real pleasure, um, bringing back songs like tears of fire or chronomancer two. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was it. Veil of Isis is another <clears throat> one of my favorites. And, uh, let's see, uh, someone wants to know, what did you crack open to celebrate? Uh, and I know you probably think that I'm going to say whiskey. We did drink a hell of a lot of whiskey on this tour, but on uh, the very last day of tour, 
uh, it was very, very sweet of Primus to actually surprise us with a going away party, and they uh, gave us each a bottle of champagne uh, from Claypool Cellars. And uh, I actually, I haven't had a chance to crack it open yet because I'm still in the process of getting home and unpacking and everything. But as soon as I get the chance to, I'm going to chill that bad boy down and pop that cork and uh, uh, just really enjoy the fact that we were able to do this tour. I've said it before, but again, I'm so grateful that we were actually able to make this thing happen. <clears throat> Let's see here. Uh, what's trashier, whippets or poppers? <laughs> uh, I've always said that drugs aren't a contest, but I have done my fair share of whippets and poppers, and um, it's all trash. You're just huffing gas at that point, man. Uh, I, I don't recommend either. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, uh, yeah, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but yeah, uh, don't do drugs, kids, uh, especially <laughs> those kinds of drugs. Good Lord. Uh, would you rather live in a Mad Max world or Water World? Uh, if I had the gills, I would pick Water World, but I, I think only Kevin Costner had the gills. Uh, Mad Max would be sick as long as I get to play guitar on the amp truck. That's, I don't think that's too much to ask. I think that thing is for sale. I think somewhere on the internet you can actually buy that ridiculous amp truck uh, from Mad Max. Uh, let's see. Uh, the roughest set you've ever had, <clears throat> and what's the greatest? Um... The roughest set was probably one time in New Orleans when I accidentally drank two of the Everclear hand grenades instead of the vodka ones. And yeah, um, during the little guitar break in Horn Goddess, I very specifically remember absolutely, totally beefing that. I think I blacked out that night and woke up at the Hustler Club mid-lap dance. And it was like five minutes till our set and our tour manager was calling me on my phone be like, where are you? We go on in five minutes. So I, yeah, in a, in a, in a drunken haze, ran down Bourbon Street, did, made it to the stage just in time to fuck everything up. I, I woke up the next morning and immediately apologized to everyone. I knew that was my only uh, <laughs> respite <laughs> that was going to save me from getting kicked out of the band. Uh, they wouldn't kick me out, but I, I didn't want to have a talking to. I, I wanted to own my... Uh, my problem because uh, is, is I, I do enjoy drinking and I do enjoy smoking and stuff like that. But um, I also think it's very important not to make my problems become other people's problems. And that was unfortunately one night that, uh, that I failed at that. But uh, they also want to know what's the greatest set you've had. And we've had many, many good ones, but um, especially on this last tour uh, when we headlined the music hall of Williamsburg in Brooklyn, that show was just magic. I didn't miss a note. We were just on fire, you know, and that was, uh, it's a hell of a way to return to New York city. I love New York. And that was great. Uh, let's see who wins in a fight, Chewbacca or Bigfoot. I thought Chewbacca was a Bigfoot. next. Uh, if you could soundtrack a remake of any movie, what movie would it be? The new Dune. Duh. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Toto did a great job on, on the original, the David Lynch Dune soundtrack. Uh, it would be fun to recreate some of that and also to um, just make some really fun, frantic metal. Um, we, we always said that Warp Riders is like a soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist. And uh, so y if you can imagine uh, those kinds of textures in a sci-fi uh, epic movie soundtrack, I think that's probably what we would end up doing. But um, And uh, it, looks, it looks like this is it. Um, <clears throat> They say never meet your heroes. And do you have a story that proves that saying wrong? I've said many times on this podcast, always meet your heroes. You never know when they're going to, 
you know, accidentally whip their dick out or, you know, cut you a piece of banana bread or um, give you a bottle of champagne. Uh, and uh, and I, I, even if it's a negative experience, um, I, I firmly believe that you should always meet your heroes. And yeah, that's that's the long and short of it. I don't really see why you wouldn't want to meet your heroes. You know, I think it's enlightening to see um, what goes behind all that beautiful art. You know, I, I do try to separate the artist from the art uh, in, in most cases, but, you know, um, just just meet them. I mean, come on. Like, there's a bunch that I haven't met. I've never met, you know, I've never met Tony Iommi. Um, we did have one opportunity that we were in the same room together, but, you know, I, I don't like to be that guy that just elbows everyone out of the way and says, hi, my name's Kyle, and you're one of my biggest heroes. Uh, you know, I, I, I like uh, for those meetings to happen a little more naturally. It, it, it tends to mean more. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, and, and let's see here. It looks like I forgot a couple uh, that were hiding here in the comments. <laughs> My boy Josh McClain wants to know, if you could play on any two-piece band from Memphis's record, who would it be? Hmm, I wonder who he's talking about. He's probably talking about his own band, Heels. If, uh, if, if y'all haven't heard this band, Heels, they're just fantastic. Go check them out. Great punk band. They probably don't want to be called punk. I don't know. I think they're fantastic. Uh, just two-piece rock and roll band. And I may or may not be playing on their new record coming up soon. You're going to have to buy a copy of it to find out. And uh, last but certainly not least, Jimmy Vela wants to know, you still smoke? Jimmy, you know I still smoke. Uh, I don't know if uh, many of you know this, but Jimmy Vela, the drummer of the sword, he actually invented smoking weed. Uh, he popularized it. He legitimized it. And uh, he's still in the process of legalizing it. So thank you, Jimmy, for all your hard work uh, getting weed out to the masses. And um, thank you all for participating in uh, in this uh, AMA uh, episode of this podcast. It's a little bit different. Um, I'll try not to drop too many of these on y'all, but it was just, uh, the questions started piling up and I couldn't help myself. So I hope y'all had a good time. And, uh, as promised, uh, I'm going to drop the, uh, the world premiere right here of the, uh, the latest doom side of the moon recording. Welcome to the machine. Thank you all so much.
Thanks so much for tuning into the highway this week. A big shout out to Reverend Guitars, Railhammer Pickups, and Earthquaker Devices. If you liked what you heard, you can follow where you can follow, subscribe where you can subscribe, and if you want to go one step further, you can support us on Patreon at The Highway with Kyle Shutt. For a few bucks a month, you can help us keep this party going, get early access to next week's episode, and even get yourself a shout out. <laughs>